Tribeca Audio. I'm Davey Gardner. This is Tribeca Audio Premieres, and this episode is on Q-Code Media's brand new podcast, Narcissa. I think science fiction, and especially sci-fi in audio drama, can be kind of a love-it-or-hate-it situation. And we picked this premiere because it's a great sci-fi story. Whether the genre is your thing or not, it really goes beyond what you might expect as the series unfolds. There are a lot of stories about artificial intelligence in the future. But in Narcissa, that's just kind of a given. That's just the backdrop of the show. It takes place in Los Angeles in the year 2036. And the actual story is about a person who is a mind reader. And the actor who plays that character is the guest of this episode, the incredible performer, Diana Agron. We talked about the story, about technology and her character, about performing for the ear. It was really a great conversation. So really quick, as always, if you like Tribeca Audio Premieres, before you forget, follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Our handle is at Tribeca Audio. Transcripts of all of our shows are available at TribecaAudioPremieres.com. Here's my conversation with Diana Akron. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Um, Thank you for having me. Diana and I just had half an hour of <laughs> technical difficulties with our Zoom recording. But we're still I, smiling. <laughs> we're, we're still smiling. And what a great intro into a show about AI and the future of technology. Clearly, we're the ones to talk about it. <laughs> yes, yes. We know all the answers now. <laughs> so this show, Narcissa, which we're about to premiere for our listeners, it's a sci-fi show. What do you think this story has to offer to listeners who might not particularly be into sci-fi as a genre Mm, or mm. in general scripted audio? Uh, you know, love, sex, AI, detectives, murder. That's all you need, right? Those are all the buzzwords. <laughs> like, Those ding, are them. Ding, ding, ding. Um, I think there has to be humanity at the core of any story, no matter the genre. I think that relatable characters are really, really important. And the story has a murderous villain in the backdrop of the story. At the forefront of the story is a woman, Sid, my character, who is very complicated. She is a mind reader, which is highly illegal in this future society. And so she's living with this secret that she carries with her day in and day out and influences her daily decisions, but really just wants connection. And her situation forces a lot of isolation and lack of trust in other people. She basically just has her sister and her best friend as her big allies. And then it is also being presented in this heightened reality, slightly <laughs> uh, it's a strange circumstantial place. I think it's a fun listen, mystery, intrigue, a sort of neo-noir plot line. But it also explores some really timely themes, big data, AI, what it means to live in a time when everything we do is documented. Can you talk about the universe that this story takes place in and what it was like to sort of embody a character living in that place? Sure. This story takes place in Los Angeles, but this is a future Los Angeles, not so far in the future, but definitely not now. And I think that the biggest 
change in this world is the fact that this character is a highly illegal person. She has this ability to read minds. This was something that was discovered by the government. The people that were discovered to have this power were lobotomized. And while there is suspect that there are still remaining people out there, such as my character Sid, who have this ability, it is on high alert to report, you know, find, report, and discover anyone who still has this ability. And mm-hmm. she, you know, is plagued by this secret and this inability to really access her world as she would like to fully. Um, it, it, you can substitute that for any feeling of otherness that I think many people have. What's interesting to me about Narcissa is that you're inside the head of someone who has the ability to invade privacy. You're like in the head of the character the whole time Mm -hmm. and the character is in the heads of other people, which by the way, I want to shout out the sound designer of this show. (laughs) What an amazing job. I agree. Yeah, shifting between different people's thoughts was really effective. So I think I'm curious how you feel about this sort of invasive quality of the story. Right, because as you say... If it's a power that you have, are you going to wield that power? And what happens when you wield that power? And that is something that Sid experiences and ultimately has made the decision in her life as you meet her in this story to abstain from using that power. And at the jump off, you meet her and her sister is in the police force and her sister kind of is making this, we'll only be doing this once plea. And of course, that never actually ends up being true. I feel like your character had a steeliness, but then there were these moments where you saw so much humanity in it. It was really naturalistic, which is, I think, so important with speculative fiction because you want to, like, ground the world. Thank you so much. So you could say Narcissa is a murder mystery, and it is, but it's also a queer love story. I'm interested in hearing more about that layer of the story. Mm-hmm. That's what I loved so much about Sid. It, you meet her and you think that she's quite jaded because you experience a few dates with her that are tragic. And the thing about her is ultimately she wants so desperately to find a home for her heart and is very convinced that she has when she meets Andy. And so when she meets Andy, everything becomes this much more adolescent and inexperienced version of herself. She really bumbles, which I think is very darling and charming and certainly how I felt in uh, in times yeah. of big crush. Uh, and so <laughs> that set in this world, I think, was a nice breath of fresh air for me as it related to this character, because you can kind of put yourself in that place of when you've felt Uh, overwhelmed and flustered by the presence of somebody new and the want to be in the present, but also let your mind take you to places of hope and and desire can just the daydream of it all. Um, And so I think Sid is always, you know, her decision making is teetering between this place of like, is this a person that I can really give my trust to in a world in which I can give my trust to so few Or am I just imagining this to be something that it's not? And uh, watching her walk that tightrope in the beginning, I think, is really delightful. So why does this story matter? And why, why is it worth telling now? I think that it's important to talk about these feelings of isolation and fear and what it means to feel not like a welcome part of society, how that expresses itself. I mean, we've experienced what it's like to feel very removed from one another and how 
terrible that can feel. So I like that those themes are explored in this show and that there's a fun world in which they're being discussed in. Have you done audio drama before? And if so, mm. how did you feel about this kind of acting versus other kinds of acting you've done? I haven't. And my discovery is that I would love to. I think it is so fun in every way, shape or form. It's such an exciting way to tell stories because you're not limited by anything. You're in front of a mic and you can use your entire body. Something that I found is when you're on set and you're in front of a camera or if you're on a stage in front of an audience, there are different parameters to what is a realistic way to use your body as well as your voice to tell a story. And in an audio recording booth, I found that my body movements were oftentimes extreme just because it helped send my voice in ways. And it didn't mean that my voice was even changing in a radical way, but it is, there was something about the energy that was so fun. While you mentioned that, you know, how you were moving your body in the booth probably didn't affect your voice. I think it did because. I, yeah, I, that's actually you're absolutely right. Um, sometimes I would find my body movements to be so extreme and it just gave my voice a little bit more of what it needed, where it didn't seem to match what my body was doing, if that makes sense. So yeah, uh, yeah it wasn't a radical shift in that way, but it seemed like it would be because of what I was contorting and why, you know, it just, it, it almost didn't make sense, but, it, but you do, you need a little bit extra, I guess. I also find that for audio drama, if the performers are visualizing the scene, then mm -hmm. the listener can really hear it. Do you have like a very clear visual of what this world looks like? I did have a very clear visual idea of what everything looked like and felt like and the muted tones and the haziness. But then also what I thought was interesting is in our recording sessions, you would have the actor that you were acting opposite of on a screen in front of you, which I found Sometimes I found that to be helpful and sometimes I found that to be distracting because I almost simply wanted to close my eyes and just hear the voice and respond to that. So you've had such an interesting career. You had so much success in television with Glee, of course. Mm. And since then, you've done all of these independent projects. You're a director, mm. you're a singer, you've uh, been singing at the Carlisle. Like, I I'm interested in how Narcissa has fit into that. Sure. I feel very lucky. I've been working this entire year has been very, very full and very busy in a fun way. I started by doing a two-week residency at the Carlisle, which was the third time that I've done that. So um, Thanks. It was so fun. Everything was in a much more jazz-centered place. And it was the first month that the Carlisle had opened up the cafe again. So it had been closed for two years. And I just felt like if people are coming back to this room, uh, no sad songs. Let's just be light and kind of dizzy and playful. Live performance, I think, is very, very special. And it's something that I feel very lucky to have in my back pocket. What's so interesting to me, I mean, like Glee and Narcissa, you clearly mm. have breadth and range in terms of the types of projects that you're interested in. And at the same time, I'm listening to you talk about being at the Carlisle and I'm thinking about Narcissa and there's mm. the, like neo-noir mystery type of thing. Yeah. And there's such a, uh, I guess, you-ness that you're bringing to all of these projects. And by the way, you do have a very cool voice for audio. Like you, hey. it's a distinct voice, you know? That 
means a lot coming from you because this is a space that you play in all the time. You have so much experience in this world. And when you're saying that, the thing that I'm now thinking about is my journey with my voice (laughs) is interesting because when I was a teenager, I was really bullied for my voice. My voice dropped. As you can hear right now, I have a lot of... depth and my voice changed I guess my 13th year especially and I was really bullied for it I had a two boys that would walk behind me from class to class singing the song walk like a man talk like a man and they would sing it constantly and I was really bothered by it and I didn't know how to stand up for myself and I think for about well, you showed them 10 years. <laughs> I think for about 10 years, I, I spoke in a register that was not my own. And then I even look back on Glee and I was speaking in a very different voice than I speak in today. Well, um, kids are the worst. They're the absolute <laughs> worst. And it makes me enjoy Narcissa more that there's this journey that you've had with your voice initially being something that you were ashamed of or bullied for. And then to have this incredible musical career and then now being in an audio drama uh, that's a nice narrative. I like that. <laughs> that's so kind. I like all moments where we feel appreciative of the things that we have and, and the way that we can tell stories. One thing I've noticed in talking to people about scripted audio fiction is that there's a really low tolerance for not knowing what's going on at the start of an episode. And a lot of TV shows start out with a scene that just leaves a million unanswered questions. And I think in audio, for some reason, listeners are less patient with that, at least in fiction. And I think a lot of podcasts overcorrect and kind of get a little explainy at the top. But this podcast does not shy away from unanswered questions in the first scene. And as the story progresses, it does such a good job of revealing information gradually. Thank you so much for bringing your work to Tribeca. So fun. Diana, can you premiere the show for us? Yes. I'm Diana Agron, and this is episode one of Narcissa. Hello, listeners. Be advised that this show is an immersive audio experience. It may seem like sounds are coming from the sides or behind you. Listener discretion is advised, as this content is intended for adult audiences only. Q-Code presents Narcissa, starring Diana Agron, created by Alex O'Eaton. so good to me. His mouth tastes like rotting vegetables. Get off me. Mm, Yeah, aggressive. I like it like that. Why are the girls on Narcissa so much harder? I'm not a Narcissa. No, 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 no. You're not Narcissa. (laughs) You're a real girl. Come over here and sit on daddy's lap. Call me, Andy. Call me. Please. Yeah. Stop. You do what I say. I just... I just need to make a call. 
Sid. Call Andy. I'm sorry, I didn't quite get that. Call Andy. All right, calling Andy. What are you doing in there? Oh, sorry. Just a second. Andy, why haven't you called? I told you he likes to watch. You're not following the plan. What? Said you'd call by now. I'm sorry, Sid. I couldn't do it. What? What are you talking about? I'll be there soon. Who? I'm sorry, Sid. Andy. Angel, call Andy back. I'm sorry, Sid, but it appears that that number was disconnected at 9.54 p.m. on October 2nd, 2036. Isn't that right now? It is 9.55 p.m. Be right out. Okay. You can do this. Nothing is gonna happen. Nothing is gonna happen. You can do this. Sorry, I... Freeze! Oh my god. No, no, no. What's going on? Don't shoot. Miss, don't shoot. we need you to put your hands above your head. Will somebody please tell me what's going on? Now! You have the right to remain silent. What? Anything you say can and will be used against you in a what? court of law. Can somebody tell the me right what's going to on? I guess I should have been more careful. It's been hard to think straight lately. I haven't been myself. Or maybe I'm more myself now than ever before. Hard to tell at this point. I think I've sort of lost my mind. What is it they say about being in love? It's the only socially accepted form of insanity. It's hard to remember my life before, before I lost everything, before I got messed up in all of this, before I met you. Part one, Sid. Three weeks earlier, Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Thank you so much to everyone who has shared tonight and for holding space for those who have as well. Can I get two volunteers, though, to move chairs before we leave? Thank you, Thomas, and... Don't pick me, don't pick me. Thank you, Monica. Thank God. All right. I think everybody hates me here. I mean, I don't blame them. I've been coming here for over a year, and I haven't said a word. I sit silently while they go around in a circle and tell their stories. 
I admire their vulnerability. I do. They're brave to say the things out loud that most people keep trapped inside their heads. <laughs> Come on. Ugh, I hate when that happens. Here, have some of mine. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. I can make some at home. Suit yourself. Sid, right? Yeah. How's your friend doing? The one that you normally come with? I texted him. He was supposed to meet me here. Huh. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to tell you that I am really proud of you. Why? You keep coming back. And just so you know, we're always here if you ever want to share. Imagine a world where your thoughts were no longer safe, where your secrets could no longer be kept, and your most private information could be stolen just by being in the same room as someone. That time is now. That's weird. I thought they pulled all this propaganda when the MRD went under. Angel? Call Kent. Calling Kent. Call declined at 5.33 p.m. Would you like to leave a message? Yes. Hi, Kent. It's your favorite ex-girlfriend slash nagging best friend, Sid. Where the hell were you? You know I don't like to face those people without you. Anyway, I'm on my way to dinner. Mm, I guess it's a date. But, um, call me back. You know how mommy worries. Okay, Sid, you can do this. Just get through the meal and go. Nothing has to happen. You can just talk normally because you're normal. He's normal. Everything is normal. <laughs> you can do this. Don't worry, sweetie. When I was your age, I'd get worked up about dates too, but you're gorgeous. Anyone would be lucky to have you. <laughs> Thanks. Sorry, that took forever. I think someone locked themselves in the bathroom. Why? Well, I don't think they did it on purpose. Good evening. What can I get you both? I'll have the orange chicken. Mongolian beef. Thank you. So, why don't you tell me about yourself? Didn't you see my page? <laughs> yeah, but what else are we supposed to talk about on a first date? Uh, okay. Well, my name is Tommy. I'm 30 years old. I moved to LA a couple years ago for work. <sighs> I like music, book. Hmm. One reason I got clean was because I thought it would make dating easier, but all it did was make everyone utterly boring. Instead of cutting to the chase, I have to sit through their mindless dribble and their sad attempts to make small talk. I know what they want. Might as well not lie about it. I don't know if you're familiar with EEG technology. I'm not. Well, it was developed a couple decades ago and it's only grown in popularity since then. He's not bad looking. He's sort of hot, I guess. And he's right. 
I did look at his page. I did more than that. I researched. I looked at his entire life before deciding to go on a date with this guy, but I still feel like I don't know him. I know that he lost his front tooth at age six. He bled a lot. He hates blood, always has. When he was 12, his brother walked in on him masturbating and took a picture, posted it to his Instagram. The picture isn't there, but you can read all about it in the comments. Mind you, he's 30 now, and I'm judging him on some things that happened decades ago. Things that should be long forgotten, forgiven, things he should have moved on from, but he can't. That's the thing. Time doesn't really go on nowadays. We can't move on. We are forced to sit in our own filth for all eternity. We let the past continually wash over us day after day after day, reminding us of all of our faults, our losses, our heartbreak, but not just reminding us, showing us and making sure that we never forget. Nothing becomes a memory anymore because nothing ever really goes away. Are you even listening to me? I wasn't, but now I am. Let's go back to your house. My house? Well, you live somewhere, don't you? Uh, yes. Why? Jesus Christ, this fucking guy. I want to get to know you better. Uh, okay. But only if you want. Yeah, I want. Angel, pay the bill, please. Is everything okay? Uh, I'm sorry. It's just that, you know, it's, it's been a while since I did this in person. And I, uh, I just think it's hard to, uh, after you've experienced it virtually. Just my luck. But it doesn't mean that I, I don't think that you're like really hot. I, well, I. <sighs> it's okay. Can I ask you something though? Sure. Why did you stop having sex with real people? I don't know. I just got so busy. I think virtual is just easier. And like there's nothing to be embarrassed of. But you're not even with them. How does that feel real? It doesn't matter. I can be myself. I used to hate the beach. I only started to like it when I would come out here with Kent. I would sit on the beach and he would surf. He offered to teach me, but I liked to just watch him out there far away from me. I felt like I finally got to know him. His thoughts became honest, unplanned. There were more emotions than thoughts. They would rise up and then fall away in these wisps of purity. It was like listening to a man drifting in and out of consciousness. Like what I imagine reading a Zen monk would be like. Up and then down. Like breath. It was during those early mornings apart 
that I realized we wouldn't grow old together. It's okay, though. We're better off as friends. Good morning, Angel. Good morning, Sid. At first, I was hesitant to get the cochlear communication implant. Getting it made me feel like a hypocrite. Wasn't it just one step closer to becoming a robot myself? (laughs) I'm used to it now. I'd honestly feel weird without her. Angel's just always there. She keeps all my information organized. I feel like she knows me. (laughs) I feel like she's a friend. Angel... Will you call Kent, please? All right, calling Kent. Call declined at 9.55 a.m. Would you like to leave a message? Yeah. Hi, it's me again. I'm starting to get worried. I went to the beach thinking you might be here. I hate it when you disappear. I hope you're okay. Please call me. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Rhea Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Incoming call from Laura. (laughs) Answer. Hello? Hi, where are you? Good morning to you, too. Sorry. Listen, I need your help. Can you come down to the station? Why? You know I don't do that anymore. I swear I wouldn't ask if it wasn't serious. (laughs) What's so serious? Another carjacking or what? No, it's bigger than that. Look, just come into the station I'll explain. But I don't want to come. I promise you don't have to do anything if you don't want. <sighs> Sometimes I think Laura forgets what I'm risking. No one likes a mind reader, my mother used to say. And she was right. 18 years ago, the government discovered a group of mind readers and lobotomized most of them, fried their brains to a crisp. They left a few intact, used the data they collected for new technologies. The irony of it all. <clears throat> hey, Randy. Laura asked me to bring her something. Keep us me in. Sid, hey. Haven't seen you around lately. Miss me? Always. Want a donut? Next time. (laughs) (laughs) I know everyone here, and everyone thinks they know me. If they knew who I really was, though, 
I'd be behind bars like one of the guys yelling. Or actually worse, because to them, I'm not human. I'm something else entirely. What are you so nervous about? I'm just thinking. Okay. So you think that somewhere in this lineup of extremely well-dressed businesswomen is a murderer? Yes. Okay. Can you take me seriously for one second? I'm sorry. It's kind of hard to take my detective sister seriously when the only time she ever calls me is to break one of the biggest laws in America. I promise you're not in danger. No one knows you're here. Randy does. There's cameras everywhere, Laura. Not in here. Well, that seems ill-advised. And talk about taking each other seriously. I'm almost a year clean, and you're asking me to essentially relapse. Do you know how hard I've worked to get here? I'm sorry. I said you can leave if you want, but just hear me out first. A man was found dumped on the side of the road last night. His throat was slit and his left eye removed. When I look at the surveillance footage, you can see a car pull over around 8 p.m., and a tall, slender woman pulls the man's body out of the car. But the driver never exits. Did you look up the license plate? Yes. It's untraceable. Oh, come on. It's 2036. Shouldn't you guys have a better system than this? We do. That's what makes it all so much more confusing. We haven't seen an untraceable plate, or for that matter, a murder like this in in years. People are too smart. They know they'll get caught. There aren't any fingerprints on the body or at the crime scene. There's essentially no evidence. Did you scan the victim's eyes? Yeah, we scanned his right eye. He was chipped lefty. The murderer must have known that if they only plucked his left eye. This seems too dangerous, Laura. No, 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 it's fine, okay? I promise it'll be fine. I just need one read. Just this once? Just this once. Turn to your left. Okay, now turn and face the back wall. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, you can go in. Okay. This is gonna hurt. Maybe those parking tickets finally caught up with me. I could have sworn I have automatic payment on officers. I'm always made to look like some freaking frazzled mess. But I'm type A. I'm type A and I'm being made to look like type A. If it takes 15 minutes to get from gym soccer practice to Lane's piano lesson, if I take the one-on-one, I guess I could be home to let the dog out by five. I mean, that is if they don't hold me here all fucking day. Hey, hey, are you okay? Uh, Did you hear anything? A whole lot of complaining. None of those women are murderers. But if you make them any later for work, who knows what they're capable of. Fuck. Are you sure? Wait, wait, where are you going? I have a job too, you know. Sid, I'm sorry, okay? I really had a feeling about them. It's fine. But Laura? Yeah? Don't ever ask me to do that again. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Some might say flying, others time travel. 
but there will always be some kid who, despite everything, still thinks mind reading is cool. Well, kid, I can tell you firsthand, it's not a superpower. It's a fucking plague. Sydney, remember me? Of course. How are you? I haven't seen you since your father's funeral. Hans Gold. How could I forget this asshole's face? I thought I'd never have to see him again. He moved away after my dad died. They were partners. Not by choice. I'm okay. How are you? I'm fine. I gotta say, I hate being back in this hellish town. I really don't know how anyone can stand it. But duty calls. Nothing too serious, I hope. We'll see. It's good to see you, Sydney. Mm-hmm. You know, I know your father and I never got along, but he really was an excellent policeman. Thanks. What are you doing here, by the way? <laughs> Dropping something off for Laura. You must be proud of your big sister. It's amazing how much can change in a few years. Dad and Hans couldn't agree on anything. Especially when it came to policing mind readers. Bye, Sid. Hope to see you again. Bye, Randy. See you soon. I never thought I'd end up here. Working at a bar is not the easiest place for someone like me. Someone in recovery. I used to like drunk people and the way a drunk mind can start to slip. Their thoughts drift erratically between the present, the past, the pathetic dreams of the future. Knowing what people are thinking isn't insightful. It's isolating. I think that's the main reason I try to shut them out. I don't want to feel so alone anymore. Uh, here you go. Thanks. Can you charge it to my room? 407. Of course. Let me just scan you quickly. It's not working. Can you remove your glasses? Sometimes that helps. Sure. Got it. Thank you. I can feel their thoughts bubbling up like a geyser. It takes every muscle I've got to repress them from entering my head. That's another thing Laura doesn't get. Once I turn it on, it's impossible to turn off. It takes work. Sid, table two's been waiting on their drinks for 15 minutes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, uh, I'm bringing them now. She's fucking chicken. I should fire her. You've gotta be kidding. What's the quote? Hell is other people. It should be. Hell is other people's thoughts. Hey. Hey. Can I get a little service around here? Thank you. I'd like a bourbon neat. <laughs> What's a pretty girl like you working in a place like this? Holy shit. What I'd like to do to an ass like that. Sorry, what was that? Shit. Did I say that out loud? I didn't say anything. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Freaky bitch. God damn it, Laura. What an asshole. Whoa. Who is she? Is she talking to me? Are you talking to me? Yeah, that guy, he's an asshole. He's always here hitting on hot girls. <laughs> I know. I really should be used to it. You really should. <laughs> Shit, I didn't... 
Can I get you something? Sydney, right? Have we met before? I don't think so. How do you know my name? <laughs> it's written on your chest. Yep. <laughs> right. Most people call me Sid. Nice to meet you. I'm Andy. Oh, she is someone I'd like to get to know. Someone I'd like to read. Uh, okay, just one more and then I'll stop. Mm. Whoa. That's weird. Why? Incoming call from Kent. Sorry, I just have to answer my phone quickly. Don't mind me. Answer it, Angel. Kent? Sid? Finally. What? Where have you been? I fucked up. What do you mean you fucked up? Are you okay? Uh, I don't know. Where are you? Uh, I'm at the beach. Okay, stay there. I'll be over as soon as I can. Okay. Sorry about that. I am. Um, Chet, where'd you go? How many opportunities are you going to give him? I'm such an idiot. Thinking that he would actually show up after all these years. <laughs> you should have never trusted her. She doesn't even recognize me. Have I really changed that much? I should just leave. Hey, Mike, I gotta take off. Your shift isn't over. Yeah, I'll make it up, I promise. Fine. Um, excuse me. Can I have the check? Yes, but ma'am? There's a gentleman at the end of the bar who I believe is looking for you. Oh, um... Oh my god, is that... Frank? Oh, I, I didn't see you there. I was wondering when you'd recognize me. You look amazing. So do you, Claudia. Well, isn't that sweet? Guess reading has its perks after all. Narcissus stars Diana Agron as Sid, with Maria Sten as Andy, Angel Olsen as Angel 2.0, Jennifer LaFleur as Laura, Timothy V. Murphy as Hans, Angus Emery as Kent. Additional performances by Timothy Aaron Jones, Peter Falls, Angela Trimber, Karen Eaton, Orlando Scott, Luca Oida, Audrey Turner, Jeff McClure, Ruby McAllister, Lindsay Chambers, Satara Falcon, Robin Eaton, Mark Jacobson, Mara Schuster-Lefkowitz, Tom Antonellis. Created, written, and directed by Alex O. Eaton. Executive produced by Diana Agron, Alex O. Eaton, Rob Herding, Sandra Yiling, and Michelle Zarati. Produced by Shinyin Hiyu and Jack Friedman. Original music and composition by Robin Eaton and Roger Mutineau. Additional source music by Leisure Units and Lion Lim. Q-Code Edit Music, Darren Johnson. Audio Engineering by Ryan Walsh, Sarah Ma, David Tadashore, and Gabe Birch. Edited by Jeffrey Fedick. Additional Editing by Ryan Walsh. Supervising Editor, Neely Oftering. Sound Design by Andrew Pomeroy. Mixed by Ryan Sanchez. Additional Mixer, Brad Tiller. Supervising Mixer, Ben Milchev. Casting by Sunday Bowling and Meg Mormon. Assistant Director, Harry Katz. Script Supervisor, Lucia Pierre. 
production coordinators, Connor Gian Lorenzo Leach and Bailey Grayson. Head production assistant, Nathan Yan. Production assistant, Noah Jorgensen. Host coordinator, Beatrice Noronha. Production legal, Christina Bolbrook and Lindsay Keel. Production accounting, Pin Chun Liu. Set teacher, Celeste Armstrong. Special thanks to Mar Schuster-Lefkowitz, Ashton Harold, and Lacey Buchanan. This podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. Narcissa is a Q-Code production. To hear the rest of Narcissa, there's a link in the show notes. Q-Code released two episodes to start out with, so the second episode is already available, so you can head over there and keep listening. If you like this show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and leave us a five-star rating or review. It really makes a difference. And if you're a podcast creator and you have a premiere that's coming up, let us know about it. Our email is audiopremieres at tribecafilm.com. Our music and sound design is by Raj Makisha. Our associate producer is Max Ludlow, Sonic ID by Hannes Brown, and voiced by Margaret Burris. Artwork is by Brielle Demergen. I'm Davey Gardner. I host and produce Tribeca Audio Premieres. Our executive producers are Jane Rosenthal and Paula Weinstein for Tribeca Audio. Tribeca Audio.